0: Okay, show's going well. Good music, great music. Let's mix it up. Let's talk the World Athletic Championships. Somewhat of a disappointing week, I guess, for the 19-strong New Zealand team. But one outstanding result amongst all of it, Geordie Beamish finishing fifth in the 3,000 metre steeplechase, an event historically dominated by the Africans. Long-standing record for the steeplechase in this country was held by Peter Renner at 8 minutes 14. Peter Led much of the 3000 steeplechase back in the 1984 olympics but geordie beamish has now broken that record and the best performance on the track by a new zealander at the world championships joining us on the program is kerry roger now kerry is a great runner in his own right represented new zealand at the commonwealth games back in 1990 uh, personal best over 5000 meters of thirteen twenty 7 minutes 45 seconds for 3000 meters try and put that in context for people also a sub-4-minute miler. Kerry, good afternoon, welcome. Good afternoon, Mark. What have you made of the World Track and Field Championships?
1: Well, the the little I've been able to see, because there's so much of it, um, no, look, I've just been absolutely um, consumed with it, it's just been incredible. The standard the athletes is, just gets higher and higher every year and the times are just, you know, particularly now with the development and the new shoes and stuff, the times are just getting faster and faster and faster, so no, it's 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 amazing.
0: Yeah, we shouldn't underestimate too. The, the part of the reason why athletes are running a lot quicker are the carbon plated shoes that have now pretty much um, every elite athlete in the world is using. Some people are saying they're worth about a second a lap. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, I haven't sort of
1: done a great deal of research into it, but you know, just speaking to a lot of people, even even just sort of uh, Joe Blog street runners, you know, all their times are improving, and 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 I've heard sort of quoted between half a second and one second, and you know, if you, if you equate that to using the same shoes in training, which is all about, you know, increasing your your speed and your times in training, well, it's certainly an advancement that uh, would have been nice to have when, when we were running, and I'm sure if you take it back to Peter Snell, you know, he didn't have tartan tracks, so it's... Um, it just keeps evolving and evolving, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, 144 for 800, you do wonder what times he could have sort of run given everything they've got today and even been pushed by perhaps deeper competition over 800. You wonder whether he would have gone around that 140 perhaps. Look, I want to talk about Geordie Beamish, 813.46 to finish fifth in this um, steeplechase final, won by Al Bakali of Morocco in 803.53. Try and put this in context for people.
1: Well, I guess, you know, the first thing is, is actually qualifying and making a final. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I can, I can speak from experience. I went to the World Track and Field Champs in Japan, and I'd run 13-27 in, in Europe, run well, and come home and went over there. And, you know, the nerves of the big occasion um, got to me, and I didn't break 14 minutes, which was a real disappointment. But just making a final in its own right at this level is, is an achievement on its own. And then, then to be part of a race and uh and then to to finish top five is is absolutely outstanding and um you know the, the the top two or three obviously you know they were they were sort of reasonably clear from the next group but you know in a year's time if he can just hang tough those last couple of laps gee the guy's got such phenomenal speed i mean three what 736 or 1500 i think indoors uh, sorry 3k um if he can be there handy at the end, he, he's gonna be a shot and you know, he's, he's got outstanding potential and And, yeah, I I agree with it. It's an an incredible result.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know you haven't run uh, the steeples yourself, but there's a real technical component, 3,000 metres, I mean, a high level of fatigue, um, it's a somewhat sort of obscure type event but it's got a great history and tradition um, I mean how technical is it um, what makes it yeah, What makes it so tough and how is? do you need to have more of an apprenticeship in terms of understanding how to run it say more so than perhaps other events?
1: Yeah sort of yes and no I mean I did run the steeplechase chase when I first started and then I sort of quickly I ran under nine minutes just under nine minutes but I wasn't strong enough and I I determined that I'd get my 5K and 10Ks done before I'd go back to it and never did. But, I mean, you see the Africans, and I mean, I I guess it's not fair comparing other athletes to Africans because they do things that we just can't believe in. But, you know, those guys can just sort of turn it. um, You know, sort of unorthodox hurdling technique and and just their aerobic capacity just enables these guys to be sometimes terrible hurdlers, but just outstanding steeplechase runners and i know geordie's you know looking up information on geordie was a, i think he was a new zealand junior steeplechase champion so um you know so but you know saying that he's only turned to it this year and and to be honest I, i've sort of been a little bit critical i wanted to see him take the 5k a lot further because i i believe he's a sub-30 5k runner and I, I truly loved to have loved to see him further that because um with his speed and and his aerobic balance i think he's got so much more left but i mean i, I think if you look at it on a purest point probably the steeplechase is is probably the best event where you've, you know if you if you can get through to that final you've got a shot whereas the sort of five and ten came then you know the ugandans and the Kenyans and the Ethiopians just dominated mm. so much that i think the steeples is it's probably in hindsight probably quite a wise move from him um but, you know, he technically wise, I, I did watch his hurdling technique and, and, and yeah, he, he can hurdle, so there's there's no doubt about that. You know, he's only been doing it for years, so he's only gonna get he's only gonna get better from this. So um, you know, I think it's a good move and I I, I think we're gonna see a lot more.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and it certainly suits him if it ends up being a slow race. Um, If it ends up being a slow race with the kick and the finish that he's got, which, you know, clearly is a strength of his, then again, he's got an outside chance, hasn't he? Uh, Look, Peter Renner, uh, a name that a lot of older people will remember. How how good a runner was Peter Renner? I mean, in the 1980s, I mean, eight fourteen. it's a record that stood forever, no carbon plate shoes. Uh, Remember the 84 Olympics, you know, led for much of that final? Yeah, look, look,
1: Pete was, you know, it was, it was a great runner. He, um, you know, funny enough, some of my best races were against Pete when I won the National 10K twice. Pete was second in both and had great races with him. But um, he was just a tough and uncompromising runner. He, um, he broke four minutes for the mile. Um, I was in the same race and John Walker's 99th. And, and Peter would admit he, he's not the fastest guy over 400 metres. But, geez, he, he just put it out there. He ran so fast early enough just to hang in there to break four minutes of the mile, you know, and how many people can say they've done that? But yeah, he um you know, that 1984 LA Olympics was his you know, that was his this cream performance, wasn't he? He went out there and took it to the world's best. And I think that following season he went on and then broke the New Zealand record. But if you look at, you know, thirty nine years old record, eight fourteen, without the shoes and everything else and all the high performance we've got today, you know, he that was an incredible record and I think he's sort of quite underrated because he he did some great performances and probably never necessarily got the the attention or the, the you know the accolades he deserved for that. But um, no, he is a terrific guy, one of my favourite people, and and just a hard, typical old-fashioned, uncompromising New Zealand athlete, but talented as well.
0: You're listening to SENZ, uh, former New Zealand. Uh... National Representative, Commonwealth Games representative, Kerry Roger, is my guest on the programme. We're talking track and field, we're talking the World Athletics Championship. Uh, The big talking point, I guess, is still one of the Blue Ribbon events. The men's 1,500 metres. Jakob Ingebrigtsen, out of Norway, the Olympic champion, this absolute phenom, picks up yet again a silver medal at the World Championships, upstaged by great British runner, Josh Kerr. The top eight runners... All running three thirty and quicker. Remarkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, once again, I, I watched that race with fascination because I watched I watched the heats and the semi final, and he was just untouchable. But to be honest, I, I was really disappointed in his tactics. And whether his father come up with that advice of those tactics, I think it was the wrong advice. Because what are you saying? You leading, know, leading from the front leading from the front because unless you can you know initially I thought well if he can carry on with this this will be a, a great performance if he can run away from the field but once you put yourself in the front like that and, and other runners and Josh Kerr, I watched it again last night and he was superb he was well back and as soon as Britson got to the lead he made sure he got up right behind him and just trailed him and you know like it, it's like when Britson ran 327 early this year going for the world record Um, he had pacemakers well he became the pacemaker for the rest of the Mm. field and it doesn't matter how good you are or how fast you are leading from the front you know I think more psychologically takes it out of you because you have to push and when you're the trailing athlete you just look over his shoulders and you just relax and you know there's no greater feeling sweeping around a, a runner from behind than trying to run them run the legs out from the front and and I just think I think Maybe there was a bit of arrogance around there. He's certainly very, very confident, and to me, a little bit too cocky um, in, in the way he sort of raised his hand and put the number one up. You know, if you're going to do that, you've got to back it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: sure, he's backed it up at the Olympics, but he hasn't backed it up at the world champs. And um, I, I just, looked, I thought you'd never see John Walker doing that. You know, no. I just thought it was, I thought it was a pretty, pretty basic and, and, and you know, I think dumb manoeuvre on his part because he could have sat, and he could have just just
0: blasted that field, I'm convinced of that. Yeah, Inge Brixen, I mean, um, if you're going to be the man, be the man every day. Uh, yeah, and Philbert Bay, I think, you know, the only one that I remember yeah. going from the front, 1974, breaking the world record and winning from the front. There is a drag coefficient too, I think it's up to about 6% what we mean by that. There is a little bit of a drafting drag coefficient by actually sitting back in a group and running. It's clearly not the same as sitting on the feet of a swimmer or sitting in the peloton of a bike race, but there is, you know, th- there is uh, a, a level of energy that you can save.
1: It's absolutely and, and I think as much as just the, the whole effort of just being able to relax and and just not and just effectively just switch off because mm. someone else is doing it for you
0: mm.
1: um, and, you know and, and credit to Josh Kerr he, he ran a tactically brilliant race and, and what you've got to remember although though two seconds quicker some of these guys are pretty handy over 800 and 400. so there's probably not a lot of great difference with the lap to go but but there certainly is if you've done all the donkey work and, and like you said before with bay he's probably one of the only ones you know probably in history that's done that like that over 1500s at an Olympics isn't he
0: yeah and one of the oh, great, sorry Commonwealth games yeah, yeah. one of the, I mean you know I, I was there in London when Rashid Ramsey's broke the 800 meter world record was it no um, was it Rashid? no yes yeah was it yeah yeah uh, oh. um,
1: Oh, I forget it. No, well. no. Yeah, the eight hundred meter run. Yeah, yeah was sorry, was
0: not cool Rashid Ramz. He, he he was the one. That, yeah, he was the one that ended up getting disqualified. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I was there when they won the mm. eight hundred meter world record there in two thousand and twelve in London. Uh, look, I, I just yeah. want to. A lot of track and field events, in terms of going from the heats through to semifinals and quarterfinals, etc., it's based purely on time. You just go out there, you put the hundred percent effort in, and generally, if you've got a good time, you're sort of going to progress. We saw Sam Tanner. Uh, New Zealand, you know, second fastest all time now, over 1,500 metres, ran a brilliant sixth at the Commonwealth Games last year, got through to the semi-finals but missed out. Now, I just want to get your perspective on how difficult the semi-finals are of the eight and the 1,500 because they can be so tactical. This is based on the number of athletes across the line. It's not necessarily based on running the fastest time. Uh, Therefore, it's very hard strategically and the pace of a certain race doesn't necessarily always fit the physiology of certain athletes.
1: No, and, and as we've seen in these world champs, they've now changed the qualification. So up to eight hundred meters, they still have the fastest losers, but beyond eight hundred meters upwards, it's it's the first five or whatever they deem across the line. So you know, previously where we've seen eight hundreds, where you know the first heat is usually disadvantaged because the last the last race of that um, group of 800 meters they can see what time they've done so the fastest losers are going to make sure that they go to time quicker so that's been quite an advantage um, for you know when it's fastest losers but beyond the 800 upwards this time they've had effectively the first five or the first six which has has made it you know like sometimes it's almost if you're in the top half of the field you qualify but it's made it ruthless in the fact that you must be in that top five and I think Sam Tanner came. He he got amongst that same situation, and I think the fact that he got a little bit distance from that group with a lap to go, he, he probably didn't run a whole lot slower than the, the finishers mm. who who did qualify, but he just couldn't close the gap that that it that had happened during that uh, that last lap. And I think that's the only difference in it. But I really like the format this time, how it's you know no fastest losers from fifteen hundred up because it's made those races and those heats. Really challenging, whereas I think it was unfair before when they had the fastest losers, because, like I say the first first heat or the first two heats was severely disadvantaged when it came to to knowing the times they needed to um, put out there
0: does he does he need to be more aggressive sam does is he technically a good runner? does he sit back too much
1: yeah i, I don't know um, I, I think watching I think yes um but I guess it's always, it's always easier to watch and, and, and critique runners. I mean, Nick Willis used to frustrate the heck out of me because he used to sit so far back and then come flying home from, and medal, which is fantastic. But I thought if he had just run more like a walker, did he? He had actually had a chance of winning some of those, those races, you know, and that's, that's being the purest, of course. Mm. Um, but yeah, possibly. You know, I, I just think, you know, the handier you can be up that front, particularly when it moves. And when it moves, it moves. And you've only got to miss the break by two metres and run the same time as those guys in the last lap, but you won't close that gap. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably something he's going to learn. He's only young, Mm. and uh, he's got a ton of talent and a ton of ability, and he's got a great coach. And so I guess these are all the lessons, aren't they? Mm.
0: Yeah, now, now David Radish at the 800 metre world record who ran from the front in London of course uh, Rashid yes, Ramsey was yes. disqualified from silver which promoted Nick to silver in that 1500 metre final in 2008 uh, Look we have, right. haven't had great performances I mean Tom Walsh slightly off ended up finishing fourth but we know what a big championship thrower he is Eliza McCartney our pole vaulters not managing to get through qualification but look it's tough isn't it you've got a with world track and field championships it's once a year after the Olympics sometimes it's once every two years is, but how difficult is it for an athlete to try and peak on one day of the year well it's incredibly
1: difficult and that, and that's why i just admire and i guess i keep going back to john walker but you know because he was in in you know in my era or just ahead of me but um you know for the favorites and for the for the top people to go out and and do the same performance in the final you know of all the athletes who at the world Championship It's amazing because there's so many things that can go wrong. And, you know, like I say myself, my own experience, you know, I only went to Europe and ran the European Gone Circuit once. And, you know, I was running really well. And, you know, I sort of made the mistake of coming back to New Zealand in the winter. I had about six weeks to use before I went back to the World Champs. And I went back there and, you know, they, on the, in the, um, in the hotel where all the athletes are based, they put out a board of all the athletes who were racing and the times they did and I, and I stupidly looked at the p b s of all these guys instead of looking at the times they 'd done that year and all I saw was these sub thirteen minute runners and straight away that just got you know got me worked up, got my adrenaline going and by the time I, I lined up on the day, I was as flat as a pancake. Um, and, and, and admittedly those are things you learn but not often, a lot of times we don't get the chance to go back and have a second chance or a third chance so yeah I, I would say to the, the, the general Joe public watching um, to see these athletes just particularly the same ones you know your Rhodesians, these guys that just do it the 400 high hurdler from Norway you know just come out and continually do these performances like that it, it's just it's unbelievable because if so many things go wrong and and a, a, an athlete just doesn't turn up to the to the stadium. He's had to go on a warm up track. He's had you see the little carriages they take him across a bridge over to the stadium. Their whole day, you know, could have been an hour's bus ride from their hotel and in, in peak traffic to get to the stadium. Um, you know, there's so many things they just don't rock up like turning up at Mount Smart from home from here and just hop into a stadium run. There's so many things they have to prepare and get ready for, and so. You know, yeah, I think the public do need to sort of understand that, particularly when, you know, athletes are coming from New Zealand, where, a, they don't get to go to Europe, and b, they're having to do it without that sort of support and experience that the other countries are getting. So it it, it is tough. Absolutely. Mm.
0: Kerry Roger, as always, my good man. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure.
1: Thank you,
0: Mark. Oh, likewise, good talking to you. Here you go, Kerry Roger there, one of uh, New Zealand's most diverse and complete athletes the 1980s 1990s. Um, but talking there about, you know, the frailties of being a track and field athlete, the psychology of it. Um, you know, times have moved now. I mean, back in Kerry's day, they didn't get the opportunities to race overseas as regularly as their athletes do now, didn't quite have the funding. Um, and so, yeah, pretty disappointing track and field field world championships for the New Zealanders. I've got a feeling that uh, Madeleine Weshi competes on Sunday in the shot put. I think, what was she, fourth or fifth in Tokyo, got a chance of potentially meddling in the women's shot put. But I guess you take this and you learn from it and you move to the Olympic Games in 12 months from now and hopefully you can right some of the wrongs. Uh, Interesting that the injury to Eliza McCartney sort of come back and flared up a little bit, I understand. Uh, so fingers crossed that you know in Paris next year that we can get our, some athletes on the podium. Wouldn't surprise me with Tom Walsh again. I can't see him winning gold. I think bronze is probably where it is at the moment. But you might have some thoughts on the track and field uh, world championships. If you enjoyed the coverage? It is a hard getting up in the middle of the night to watch it. Um, there's a part of me that's so cynical about what goes on these days that oh, I struggle with a lot of it, even though I've been to the Olympics. Oh, if, you know, if it's too good to be true, sometimes it's too good to be legal, if you know what I mean. Uh, 24 minutes after one, you're listening to SENZ. Don't f- be afraid to text us here on the Temper Bedpost Post text machine, 8833.